Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Matcha Mornings, part of the Wander Barn Podcast Network. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsmith, and I'm excited to dive deep on topics around holistic health, the power of food, hormone health, how the practices of yoga can impact our health and well-being, and much more. So grab your cup of tea, settle in, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Matcha Mornings. I am so excited that you've decided to join me for another episode of this podcast. It's been so amazing starting to hear some feedback and hearing from people who are starting to listen and enjoy the episodes. And I'm just really grateful that you've decided to give me your time to listen to these episodes and enjoy the show. And today on the podcast, I am super excited to be joined by my friend, Juliana Carbonare. And Juliana and I have known each other for close to a year now, and we had the opportunity to work together in a previous role that I held at a startup. And Juliana and I had a ton of these types of conversations. We talked a lot about bringing feminine energy into a more masculine workplace, how to balance feminine energy, masculine energy, how to stay healthy in the workplace, especially when your job is super demanding and all that sort of stuff. So when I decided to launch Matcha Mornings, I knew that I really wanted to have a conversation with Juliana for the podcast. And so on this episode, we're going to cover all of the things that I just mentioned. So talking about, you know, why a healthy lifestyle is important to Juliana, how she brings that in to her busy work schedule, especially working in the startup culture, how she's been able to balance masculine and feminine energy and bring the more feminine piece into the workplace. And then also how to bring in the cycle syncing aspect. So how as women can we cycle with our 30 day or 28 to 30 five-day cycle while working in a nine-to-five job because this can be super hard. We don't just get five days off when we're you know, tired and, and menstruating, but we can bring elements of what our bodies naturally want into the workplace. So I hope that you all listening really enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is Juliana. Juliana, welcome to the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you here with me. Thank you, Amanda. I'm super excited to be here and and start this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always really fun to me when I get to have conversations with people that I get to share with others. And I feel like you and I have known each other for pretty much a year now, and we've had lots of these conversations around holistic health and lifestyle, not recording them. So I'm excited to dive into one that's recorded that can be shared with other people. Uh, But before we get there, can you just tell myself and listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So a little bit about me, I guess. Over the past two years, I've been pretty heavily involved in startup culture and life. Um, So I've always had a really big interest in the business world, um, just from seeing how businesses start from the ground up and then getting to experience and be a part of that. Um, But then on the other side of that kind of career track driven side of myself, um, from a very young age, I just grew up in a very holistic, uh, organic family environment, if you will. So as I've grown, as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more involved in my personal career, um, it's just been a really interesting journey for me to see how my holistic health beliefs have begun to intertwine with my career development and just kind of navigating those seemingly two very different worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And having also been involved in the startup world and the corporate world as well, I can really relate to that. I've always told people that I feel like I'm like not corporate enough for corporate. It's like I'm too spiritual for corporate because people are like, I don't get like what you're all about. Like, this is weird. We don't do things like that. (laughs) Has that been kind of your experience in some ways too? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's always the line that you want to draw where you have your professional boundaries versus your personal life. 
Um, but they're also, to me, I've experienced benefits in kind of finding that really healthy intersection between the two. Um, but I can definitely relate like through traditional schooling and then more traditional jobs, just feeling like I almost have to hide that part of myself because it's too much for, for the people around me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned that you grew up in a family that was more holistic and healthy. Can you tell me a little bit about like what that upbringing was like and and how a healthy lifestyle has just been kind of integrated into your life? Yeah, so I would say it starts off with my kind of ethnic background and heritage. Um, my mom is 100% Colombian, born and raised there, didn't move to the States until her mid-20s. Um, and my dad grew up in a very traditional Italian family. Um, he grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York. So, you know, the first versions of both of those cultures intersecting is with food. Um, we were a family that cooked everything from scratch. My parents never let us have, you know, frozen foods, processed foods. It was just food was the center of our cultures, our family time. Um, and we just did not cheat in that regard on any way. So, I mean, as a kid, you know, I wanted Oreos and Lunchables and the cool things that my friends were having in the lunchroom. Um, but at home, we were very strict about basically how we nourished our family um, and how we centered that family time around, around food. Um, beyond that, my, my dad um, studied yoga for a bit when he was in college. He grew up in the 70s. Um, so a lot of that influence kind of bled into our childhood upbringing um, in terms of health and just how important it is to integrate movement into your lifestyle. Um, my mom's always been a very active person, just knowing that, um, you know, when you stay active, when you feel good about how your body feels, it just translates and transfers to a lot of other elements of your life. So my family was really big on eating good meals, getting the movement that you needed. Um, and even though these seemed like really basic things, like I noticed from a very young age that friends and peers, you know, their families more so were just like, let's just, I guess, practice more sedentary habits. And not that there's anything inherently wrong about that, but it was a very stark difference from kind of how my family internally operated. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, I'm down in Panama right now and I've spent a lot of time in Mexico. And one of the things that I love about the Latin American culture is this like love of food. Like food is very much a ritual and there's so many flavors and spices and stuff that's used. And you can certainly find that in lots of cultures around the world. I mean, Italian culture is a big example of that. But I find like being Canadian with like my background's kind of like English, Norwegian, German, Dutch like that type of thing. Um, the food is different. And I think it's a lot of that has to do with the climate that it came from and that sort of thing. And, and I feel like for me, it's just not as I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that those are my backgrounds and I don't want to offend anyone. But I just find that that food is not as exciting. And I feel like for me growing up, it just wasn't, you know, food wasn't that same sort of ritual. And it's one of the things that I really love about being able to like immerse myself in cultures as an adult, because I think that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something that, I mean, I've noticed now as a grown woman, an adult that I've carried with me and I'm really grateful for. Like, you know, one of my top ways to just connect with people, especially when I make new friends, um, is just to cook for the people that I love. And it's just such a beautiful collective experience when you take fresh ingredients, you cook and prepare it into a wholesome, nourishing meal, and other people are able to experience that with you. And you can really see the joy on people's face of just like having someone um, kind of facilitate the process of healthily nourishing them. Um, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and it's definitely something I can see myself bringing very deeply into my future family dynamic, um, even more so than I do now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that. And I think it's also really cool that that's something that you've carried with you into your adult years. I feel like there's kind of, I've often heard like, you know, oh, you can raise your children a certain way, but they can go out and, you know, become whoever they want as adults, which is a really beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, that means maybe you go and you're like, oh, okay, I don't care about these things anymore. And it's not important to me, which if that's your thing, that's obviously totally fine. But I love that this is something that's been really important for you and, and continued into your adult years. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, just my, with my journey with health personally, like it's always started with nutrition. Um, I know that when I'm eating well and when I'm really being almost present with the meals that I create for myself, that usually correlates to the times when I'm feeling the best and healthiest in my life. Um, whereas, you know, times where maybe I've just gotten super busy at work or life in general, and I'm almost like rushing to (laughs) get food into my body. Um, the love and the care isn't there. It doesn't feel good. Um, it feels like survival mode. My nervous system is just active and out of whack. Um, and I've just realized like when I need to slow down, I need to make maybe a homemade dish of pasta or just a really good nourishing meal, the ritual of, you know, heading to the grocery store, picking out those ingredients and just taking that, that time for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I can a hundred percent relate to that from, you know, both working in corporate and then also working for myself. I mean, people think like, I think there's a, a misconception maybe that like one of the joys of working for yourself is that you do have the ability to like cook from home, which is a hundred percent true. But so much of the time it's like I spend time cooking and then I sit down and I'm like, oh, I've already taken such a long lunch break. <laughs> I need to like get back to work and just eat this while I'm working, which takes away a lot of that like, you know, ritual of actually consuming the nourishment. Um, so I'm curious for you, working in startup culture over the last couple of years, how are you able to kind of make sure that, you know, you're getting your work done, but then you're also prioritizing your health and wellness? Because I know from my experiences working in, you know, the startup world and working for myself, it can get like pretty hectic, like hours all over the place, not necessarily taking a ton of time to actually nourish doing things that are a lot quicker and easier. So what did that kind of look like for you? Yeah, well, first and foremost, there was definitely a learning curve involved. Um, I did not get it right from the start. When I got, I guess, like my first full-time, really hectic, heavy workload um, job opportunity, I I took about three to four months um, to really get my personal routines, including cooking and nourishment, like down to a solid, healthy schedule. Um, and it, and it took like adaptation. I, I realized it was not realistic to be able to come home from work every night, you know, whip up a fresh meal and then still have time to just like do, you know, nighttime rituals and and get to bed at a decent time. So what it ultimately ended up turning into for me is just kind of adopting more of a, a meal prep like habit. So on Sundays I would pick like uh, you know, I'd go to the grocery store and get the the items exactly what I needed for like two recipes for the week. And I'd make two recipes in bulk. A lot of times it'd be like a vegetable stir fry, um, maybe a, a stew or a soup, something that you can just make a nice quantity of and that saves well. And I'd have that for my dinners after work. Um, I also want to mention that I, for the past three and a half years, I've been following intermittent fasting. So for me, that simplified my life a lot, especially in conjunction with work, because I only eat two larger meals a day rather than, um, you know, some people do several meals a day or even just the standard three. Um, And I've found that it really takes kind of the stress off of me of making sure that I always hit my meal times. Um, So, you know, my first meal of the day will be always a smoothie. I'm a big believer in a smoothie a day, keeps the doctor away Um, and smoothie that's really simple to throw together. And then my second meal of the day would just be a nice big helping of whatever meal I've prepared earlier in the week. Um, And again, it's just always something nutritious and healthy because I had that time prior to put the the energy, love and care into it. And then I have it prepared for myself uh, for the duration of the week. I love that. I love like one, I love like smoothie a day. Totally on board with that. I feel like smoothies are the best ways to like pack nutrients in. Like they can just be so nutrient dense. One of Ryan and I's favorite like quick and easy dinners is like guacamole with some sort of, you know, dipping thing. Sometimes it's chips. Sometimes it's like a healthier version of chips or a cracker, maybe a vegetable, usually like a cracker type chip thing. And then a smoothie that's like packed with all the things and it's super easy, super fast, super affordable. And that's like, you know, what we would do when we're super busy with like work and stuff like that, which doesn't sound like a proper adult meal, but it totally nourishes you. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you think about what babies eat, um, like one of my 
personal little life philosophies, I guess, if I can even call it that, is when I feel like really lost and just chaotic in my life, I need to go back to treating myself as if I was a child. (laughs) So making sure I get all of those basic needs met um, and guiding myself to meet them. So with food, um, I think a lot of the times, especially with just all the different diet fads um, that are out today in, in this day and age, it can seem really complicated to eat well, healthy, and feel good from the food that you eat. Whereas if you really think about it, like like you said, an avocado mashed up into guacamole, um, you know, potatoes, like almost like these um, single units of food, like you would feed a baby, like mashing up carrots, mashing up apples, like these are plant-based, like whole foods that are really good for you, filled with lots of nutrients and eating them whole doesn't mean that you're missing out on, on nutrients or that it isn't a proper adult meal. In a lot of ways, um, it's a lot better than eating a very complicated meal that's going to cause a lot of stress on your digestive system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, it's also, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot of people talk about is like, oh, it's too expensive to eat healthy and I mean, I I definitely like stick to a budget for food, although food is definitely where I'm the most lenient with myself because, you know, it's my source of survival. But I found a couple of different things to kind of like live a little bit more on a budget. And one of my favorite ones, I know you're not a meat eater, but you could totally do this with like a veggie based broth, but we'll buy like a chicken, make a chicken. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'll make bone broth out of it. And then I'll take like a bunch of veggies. And you can get like packs of frozen veggies, like even organic ones for, you know, a dollar or two. It's super affordable. Throw it in, cook it, add some spices in, blend it up, and you get a ton of portions of it. And that's like a great nourishing meal that doesn't cost very much. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, And I know for people that do eat meat, um, bone broth has a lot of really awesome studies behind it. And it's just that seems like a really great way to use all the parts of of what you've bought. Um, I also want to add just something that I think a lot of people overlook in this day and age because it's almost not as intuitive, um, is just buying in season, right? If you go to the grocery store and it's not strawberry season and you're just baffled by a $6 carton of groceries, like you don't need to eat strawberries. You don't necessarily need to eat strawberries right now or buy them. Um, you know, think about what, or even just Google what, what fruits and vegetables are in season at the moment. And those are going to be the ones that correlate with the best prices. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great tip. And I think it is like we're so blessed to live in a world where we can get like so many fruits and vegetables all year round, but it is like the reality of the things. Like you see it in the in the price tags. And I feel like this is like, you know, the more north you go, so where I'm from in Canada, we see it a ton. Like for us it's really hard to get things like mangoes or papayas and if you want to get those types of things out of season it's just absolutely insane the cost and the quality is also not very good because they've come from so far and they're not in season but i mean we've got lots of like frozen options with those types of things too which is you know if you really really need a mango you're up in canada and it's not mango season anywhere in the world there is frozen stuff or you can either also, if you want to make your own frozen stuff, that's totally an option. You know, when strawberries are in season, buy a ton of strawberries, put them in freezer bags and put them in your freezer for, you know, when they're not in season and they're going to be expensive. Oh, absolutely. I, I grew up in South Florida. So lots of oranges, lots of mangoes, lots of tropical fruits. And in my family backyard, my dad's always been really into growing fruit. 
Um, and we all love mangoes collectively as a family. So we have two mango trees, um, but mangoes only come in the late spring um, through summer. But we would get so many mangoes that we would just cut them up and freeze them. And we basically have frozen mangoes all year long. Um, so that's another really great way to make sure that you have those options available to you. Um, but you don't necessarily have to deal with the price or even the low quality, like you said, at the grocery store. Uh, having two mango trees is like a dream <laughs> for me. Like, can I live with your parents? <laughs> it is pretty great. Mangoes are definitely my favorite fruit. Um, and there are so many different types too. The interesting thing um, about Florida is that despite you know us being pretty much the same climate, same temperature all year long, we still do have fruit seasons. <laughs> so if it's the middle of winter, which for us isn't really winter, um, you still won't be able to find mangoes in the grocery store, which kind of always puzzled me. I feel like I need to look into that a little bit. Yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, I grew up where almost nothing grows <laughs> for most of the year, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that is very, very cool. That definitely makes uh, Florida a little bit more appealing to me in terms of maybe a permanent home in my future. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to Florida. Fruits are a plus though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so something I'm curious about when it comes to, you know, working in startup culture as well, and at least, you know, my experience and my perspective is that a lot of times startup culture is really masculine and it's not only masculine in the fact that you'll often find like a lot of actual like male people working in it, but I feel like in general, the energy is very masculine. So it's very demanding. It's long hours. Like it brings a masculine energy to it. At least that's been kind of my vibe with it. I'm curious, like what was your experience like with that? And how are you able to kind of bring like a feminine energy to your role and to the environment? Yeah, I, I love that question. So I think first and foremost, just to, to be clear, um, when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, it's not necessarily gender specific, right? There are masculine women, there are feminine men. And for the most part, almost all people are some sort of ratio or combination of those two energies, just depending on which one is more um, dominant or expressed. So when we talk about masculine energy, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it was working at a startup means you're only working with men. Um, it's kind of, like you said, the energy that you bring to work. So in general, the way that I personally approach my career is with very masculine energy. Um, I, I tend to be very clear and cut in communications. Um, I tend to be kind of a more driving force when it comes to projects that I take on. Um, so for me, in my personal and, and the, all, all the other portions of my life, I'm a very feminine person. Um, <laughs> you won't find me sending really clear and cut messages to my friends. I can be very flowery, just very expansive. Um, so it, it's a very stark difference for me. And for people that know me both personally and in work, to see those two different sides of, of my personalities. Um, so when it comes to startups, I have always felt that, you know, just naturally that environment is masculine, what I bring to that environment is masculine, but particularly over, over the last year and a half, um, I've kind of had a personal struggle slash journey with learning how to integrate more of my feminine energy into work. And the reason I I've kind of been struggling with this or, or that I, I decided, uh, to embark on this journey is because I know that when I am expressing primarily feminine energy, I feel my happiest and healthiest. I can, I can exert masculine energy. I can bring that to the workplace. I know how to get stuff done. I know how to crush it at work. But when that's my primary form of energy, again, thinking about full-time work, Monday through Friday, let's say nine to six, although at startups, we all know those hours can vary a little bit. Um, I, I felt unhealthy. I felt drained more quickly. I felt like I was really overexerting myself and getting closer and closer to burnout. And I just didn't know how to bring, you know, that lighter side of myself into the workplace in order to kind of just, you know, still be successful, but sustain a healthy energy and an aura around me. Um, so essentially 
I was really lucky in the in the case that my previous role at a startup, I worked really closely with our customers. So um, I got to be like a one-on-one coach with with our customers and uh, speak directly with them, help them through their experiences and kind of tasks of that sort. And with that, I was really able to find a way to channel more feminine energy into work. Um, I was able to just use that innate empathy and connection that I love and, and really cherish as a feminine woman um, and use that to connect with other people and help them through their journey. Um, if we think in terms of archetypes, I'm totally blanking on that archetype, but I believe it's like the wise counselor, almost even the mother. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of energy, bringing it into work, I found myself in a lot, feeling a lot closer to my core um, and feeling closer to that balance that I was striving for. Um, and then in other aspects, just the way that I was able to communicate to my team. You know, when I first started um, working at a, at a startup, I felt like I needed to totally push away all of these softer feminine qualities of myself in order to be respected. And I think that a lot of women go through that same struggle and internal battle. Um, but pretty soon I realized that my work spoke for itself and being feminine does not mean that my work deserves any less respect or that me as a person um, is to be treated with any less um, respect or, or taken as seriously. So in a way, I felt like I had to prove myself before I could unleash my femininity. And it's not like I stepped into the workplace full force, but it was just really interesting to see like, okay, you know, I, I can make a joke about this and this can be a little lighter and, and I can bring and approach my work with this sort of energy and everything around me is okay. Nobody's treating me necessarily different. I'm still a much valued member of this team and nothing has fallen apart. So that was kind of my, the, I guess the two minute version of, of how I went through that journey and kind of realized that it was okay to bring this expression of myself into the workplace. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to hear because I think that, you know, as like a young woman myself, I can also relate to that. Like, and, and I think it is, especially when you're maybe a little bit younger and, you know, maybe I'm totally wrong on this. If somebody's listening and you're like, no, I'm in my 40s or 50s, well established in my career, and I still feel like this, let me know. But I feel like, especially being in your like, in your 20s or in your early 30s, and you're still, you know, trying to establish yourself, you want to come in there and be like, you know, I want to prove to you that I'm not weak and I want to prove that I can do great work. And I think that the nature of that just, I mean, it has this like stronger, more masculine kind of feeling behind it. And I totally understand wanting to come in and, and bring that. But then having the ability to like soften into that role, I think is a really great thing that at least for me, when I worked in corporate, I don't think I ever really got there. And I love that you were able to get there within like a year and a half of working and, and come into like a truer version of yourself, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as I got into the place where I felt comfortable with who I was, um, then something really amazing that I noticed is how it transferred onto the other women in, in my on my team and in the office. Um, it was almost like, hey, she's doing this and she's safe. <laughs> so we can kind of start to move into this too. And um, when I left that previous role, um, two of the women that I worked with very closely they both individually on their own accord reached out to me and like very clearly said, Hey, I just want you to know, like, not only was it great working for you, but it was just such an amazing experience to see like you as such a feminine woman prosper in the workplace. And in so many words, they said, like, it gave them a lot of um, like inspiration and motivation for themselves and their own personal journey of, you know, being more comfortable in their feminine energy and, and how that can be integrated with their work. That's amazing. That's so inspiring to hear. And we definitely need more of that in the workplace for sure. And especially like in startup culture, I think there's a lot of beautiful things that can happen when we soften. And I think that, you know, I think that 
with feminine energy, we can really step into a lot of like cre- creativity as well, which is something that's so needed in, I mean, all industries, but I think especially as you're growing a business, we need to be creative. And so I think we need to soften into that energy a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention that I feel like not only is this a very, a very common thing with women that I've personally experienced and in my conversations with other just really hardworking, career-driven girls. Um, but I've, I've had the opportunity in my life to get to know a good number of really successful female CEOs, um, like women who are established. Many of them have families um, and are just in that phase of their lives. And something I noticed at a really young age was just how unhappy and drained they seem. Whereas a lot of the male CEOs that I met seemed really just like, yes, they were tired. Yes, they were really pushing forward with their businesses. Um, But for the most part, I just felt like these men seemed way happier than these women. Um, And I was like, that's not great. Like I, you know, I envisioned myself as an owner of a business one day or or so I think, and I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to, you know, have the success of this external entity come at the cost of me feeling so unhappy and disconnected from my health and my body. Um, And just these past two years of working in startup culture, some, I guess, like mini revelations that I've had have been that I find that a lot of women, um, when they step into the workplace or they get farther in their careers, they feel that the only way forward with success for them is to become more like men. Um, they think that like equality and respect correlates with acting and approaching life more like a man. Um, and this doesn't go for everybody, but I do believe that for very feminine women, women who just always in their lives have tended towards a feminine dominate side, um, when they are exerting so much masculine energy, they end up feeling really at odds with themselves, similar to how I felt at the start of my career. Um, and not understanding why, even though everything around them is running really successfully, they themselves are not feeling good. And this doesn't mean that women can't run businesses, not at all. But it means that to, I think for a woman to run a business, in my humble opinion, she does not necessarily have to take the, the masculine approach. Like there can be a really healthy balance of remembering, you know, who you are as a woman and that respect that you can garner for stepping into your feminine energy while still using, you know, elements of the masculine that exists within you um, in order to just get after that success, but still make sure you as a whole body and person feel really good about where you are. Yeah. I love that so much. That was so eloquently put. You, you had such beautiful words to say with that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, if, if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, this sounds awesome. I really want to, you know, start embodying my feminine energy a little bit more, particularly in my career. How do you, how do you even start with that? Like, where do you go to, I guess, like stepping into your power as a woman in your career? Yeah. So I would say the number one thing is that it starts outside of work. Um, you have to look at what your life looks like outside of your work hours for a lot of us, especially people in the startup world, personal life and work can be really integrated and overlap. You know, we bring a lot of work home, but, um, my biggest thing as a woman has been really respecting and dedicating my personal time to my, as I like to with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I call rituals. 
Um, so for every woman, this is going to be and look differently, but figuring out what it is that makes you feel at home in your body. So I know that can sound really like new agey and a little abstract, but essentially what are the activities and practices that make you feel confident, make you feel good in your body, make you feel healthy. And we all know that feeling for ourselves, but it's kind of a matter of backtracking into, you know, what are the practices that bring you into that feeling? So from a really personal example, um, there's a couple things that are very important for me to step into my body and feminine energy. First one is self-care. I'm a skincare junkie. So if I am going days skipping my skincare routine, I don't have my nice pretty soaps and moisturizers, and I just am not feeling good about the skin on my body, like it's not being well taken care of. Um, I'm not drinking the amount of water that I should be. That's like the first phase of me starting to feel really disconnected and icky from my body. Um, so I have really strict like morning and evening skincare routines that I like to keep. And it means I go to bed feeling just really taken care of and happy. And I wake up and have that really nice, just like 10 minute um, morning routine where I can feel really great about this literal skin that I, that I live in. Um, and then also kind of an extension of self-care for me, movement, um, you know, true to my upbringing is something that's super important to me. When I go a week or even just like three to five days without sweating, um, I don't feel good in my body. I just literally feel this pent up restless energy that is just piling up because it hasn't been released. So I kind of have a rule um, one sweat a day keeps the doctor day away. I guess, I don't know what's up with me and these like one a day little saying, but they've been working. Um, yeah. And so that doesn't mean that I need to go to the gym for an hour every day and like really kill it, lifting weights and stuff. If the day doesn't allow that, that means, you know, if I take like a 20 minute, really brisk walk and break a sweat, whatever activity is just going to allow me to break a sweat and just get that like energetic release that I need and feel back in my body. Um, stretching is huge for me. And I really believe that for most women, stretching is like a really great fast track into feeling good about, about your body. Um, Amanda, like you as a yoga instructor, I'm sure you've seen this so many times firsthand and also experienced it. Um, but when you are just really able to sink into a position and just um, like true to yin style yoga, where you hold certain postures for a long time and get really deep stretches. When you exit that sort of flow, you just feel so connected to yourself and very grounded. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of my, yeah, those are my top three ways that I kind of dedicate time to every single day to make sure that I feel really good in my body. And when I do those things and I step into the workplace, then I have taken care of myself. And thus I feel that I'm ready to take care of other things. But I have that kind of like meditative glow on me that I know isn't going to push me into like that more aggressive, dominating, masculine force that I don't necessarily always want to bring to the workplace, but rather help me approach my work with a very calm, collected, feminine flow that I love and crave so much. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Do you do anything around kind of like your boundaries with like when you start and finish work and then also making sure like you get enough sleep? Is that is that a part of self-care as well? Yeah. Um, so in terms of boundaries of work hours, um, you know, working at startups, that's not always such an easy thing. It, it depends a lot on the culture of the team that you work within. Um, me right now, I'm Uh, personally in the process of moving on to my next opportunity. So that actually has been something that's taken kind of a priority on my list when I look at um, various teams and company cultures that I'm possibly interested in working in. Um, For me, I do really need a set time of when work ends and I unplug and just move on to my personal life and the rest of my day. Um, and there's always exceptions to that, you know, uh, workflow ebbs and flows, but for the most part, I do feel really good when I know that there's a certain time when communication within the team stops and that work can stop. And it's a personal choice, whether or not I want to continue something or not. Um, and that kind of ties into sleep as well. Like 
that's something I am not great at. Um, I always say that my ideal bedtime would be between 10 and 11 p.m. Um, and unfortunately, just with like various life commitments and, and things that come up, I have not mastered my bedtime ritual. But I will say something I've learned about myself is I am one of those people that needs like a solid eight, eight and a half hours of sleep. Um, so if I don't get to bed on time, usually it comes at the cost of the next day. But I've noticed when I do get that bedtime, wake up time ritual really good and set, um, it makes a huge difference in how the rest of my day feels. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that too. You and I are both both need our sleep. And it's funny. I always like, I don't know, I've been really focusing on it since the start of 2020, but I continuously procrastinate bedtime. It's like I'm 12 years old and my mom's like, go to bed, go to bed, like stop doing these things. Except that nobody's telling me to go to bed. I'm like, go to bed because you want to be in bed. You're not going to want to get up tomorrow morning if you don't go to bed now, yet I still procrastinate. So I think just part of like our, you know, kind of weird human experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's really funny and it goes back to treating ourselves like a child. Like I just remember how good I felt when I was young and like even though I was so annoyed with, you know, my parents making me go to bed at eight o'clock when I was in elementary school, I woke up and I felt refreshed and I was not one of those kids that was falling asleep at their desk. Um so sleep is so important. But I will say on the other end of that, waking up, one of the biggest um biggest kind of experiments that I've run with myself that's made a huge difference is not keeping my phone next to my bed. Um, I think I would say like, and this is totally a made up stat, but I feel like 95% of the population that owns smartphones, we all do the same thing where we roll over and scroll. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, one of the worst things that you could do for your mind for those like really precious early hours, first hours of the morning Um, that has a huge effect on the rest of your day. And I fall in and out of it. But the times where I've really been able to stick with keeping my phone on the other side of the room and just getting up and not filling my head with Instagram or news articles, emails, whatever, I feel amazing. And (laughs) I know it's directly correlated to what I'm consuming and how I'm spending my energy with the first hour of my day. Yeah, absolutely. Very honestly, I've also struggled with the same thing and I've gone through phases of like, you know, I, I travel a lot. So it's like a lot of time the room changes. So it's like, where's the closest plugin? Like, where's the best plugin for my phone? And, you know, sometimes it's just like the plugin is right there and the bedside table is the best. And then, you know, it's easy to snooze and then it's easy to check notifications. And I feel 100% the same way. Like if I can get up without checking those things, without having anyone else's thoughts or feelings or needs interrupting my morning, it definitely means I'm having a better day for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like imagine how different we would all feel if instead of like collectively as a society, we all had that habit, like we all started our day with just 10 minutes of meditation. Like I always think about that, just like how different the world would feel in the mornings, you know, if everyone started their day that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it would be, life would be very different as society. So I think it's it's a goal. It's a goal. We need to get closer towards that and definitely a goal for myself personally to move towards that because, oh, it's such a bad habit and it's so hard to break, but it's like, yeah, it's just weird. It's like eating sugar. It's kind of addictive. So it's really hard to stop it. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. We're taking a quick break from the podcast to talk about Muse. Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on your meditation, guiding you into the zone and solving the major problem that most of us have when starting a meditation practice. Muse lets you know when you're doing it right. Your Muse headband basically acts like your personal assistant. While you meditate, Muse measures whether your mind is calm or active and translates that data into sounds. When you're calm, you'll hear peaceful sounds. And when your mind wanders, the sounds will intensify, guiding you back to a calm state. So if you're like me, where you have a really solid meditation practice and you love to do it, every day or every couple of days, but sometimes you just find that you really can't get in the rhythm because your mind is so busy, Muse might be for you. 
The best part about this is that I have a 15% discount off just for listeners of Matcha Mornings. So head on over to bit.ly forward slash Matcha Mornings Muse to get your discount. All right, back to the episode. And so the last thing I wanted to talk about was cycle syncing. This is something you and I have talked a little bit about off the air. And I'm curious, you know, when you first got introduced to cycle syncing and how you started to be able to add that into your work and your lifestyle. Yeah. So this is like one of my favorite topics in the world. Um, this, I think this would have to be a whole nother hour long conversation about hormones and birth control and how it affects your menstrual cycle and just the power of your menstrual cycle. But the condensed version of all that information would be, um, as women, uh, we have menstrual cycles and for many women, their menstrual cycle or their understanding of their menstrual cycle is just, um, connected to that one week or three to five days of the month when they are bleeding. However, when we talk about the menstrual cycle, um, it's an entire cycle, meaning technically, you know, 28 to 31 days, depending on how long your personal cycle is. And there are different stages within it, depending on which hormones are filtering through your body. So if you are off hormonal birth control and your body is cycling through its natural menstrual cycle, your cycle is regular, you are on a very finely tuned schedule of um, hormone regulation and just basically a really great cocktail of hormones that your body serves its reproductive system every month. Now, these hormones, as many of us women know, don't just affect the reproductive system, but they also have an effect on um, our whole bodies. Sometimes that manifests as symptoms like um, getting acne or cravings or mood swings and just all those really typical things that we associate with PMS in our periods. But the truth is that those symptoms aren't limited to just, you know, the days prior to when you bleed and PMS. There are also positive symptoms that you experience um, throughout the other phases of your cycle earlier in the month that a lot of us aren't aware or tuned to, but we could be using to our benefit and advantage. So um, there's a lot of really great information on the internet about the different stages of your cycles. Um, one of my favorite people that I follow, uh, her name is called Nicole um, Jardim. She's known as the period girl, and she's super knowledgeable about the menstrual cycle and, and goes into a lot of detail about what each phase of your menstrual cycle means for you. So for me personally, um, and, and this is something that follows most women, but when I'm in the ovulation phase of my menstrual cycle, meaning that my body is preparing to hopefully be fertilized and produce a baby, I have so much energy. I have so much clarity. Um, I feel just on top of the world, ecstatic. I'm very low maintenance in terms of mood swings. Now, of course, you know, life can step in and, and have an effect, but for the most part, if your life is just normal and routine, these are the internal feelings and positive symptoms that you'll have. So that being said, knowing that knowledge about this is how I'll feel during, you know, this week period of, of my ovulation, um, I have started to use that time to my advantage. So I'll plan really big creative projects, projects that essentially need a lot of mental juice and energy for when I'm ovulating. It doesn't always work out perfectly, but if I have control of it, that's when I'll schedule it because I know that's when I'll do my best work versus when I am in the PMS approaching my period phase of my cycle, I'm really low energy. I need more rest. I'm feeling a lot more emotional, a lot more mood swings. I'm just lethargic, tired, fatigued, feeling weak. Um, and throwing a project on my plate during that time is not going to be the best option. Um, it's, it's not going to be my best work and I'm definitely not going to feel the best about what I'm doing. So for that time period, if possible, I'll try to schedule my more routine maintenance work, things that aren't going to cause me to exert a ton of energy and things that I can just get done and still have a lot of extra time for rest and self-care that I really need during that time. So um, you could break down your cycle into about four phases, um, being the actual bleed leading up to um, the rise, ovulation, um, and then the downfall again, which is PMS <laughs> as you approach your period. 
and then kind of work within almost those four weeks of the month or of that 28 to 31 day period um, and figure out, you know, which, which projects and which tasks you have in the upcoming month would fit most appropriately into each of those phases. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that overview. And I really love this concept. It was something I got introduced to probably about two, two and a half years ago. I read Woman Code by Elisa Vitti and she talks about like kind of reorganizing your lifestyle and and eat in every way, like the work you do, like you're talking about the food you eat, the way you exercise. And it's so interesting because for me, it was how old would I have been? Like, I don't know, 28, 29. And it was like this total new concept to me. Yet I was like, this is also so intuitive. You know, like we feel this sense of tiredness when we're menstruating and we feel, you know, kind of icky leading up to it. At least I do. And then I notice that burst of energy come back. And yet there's so many times where I haven't listened to that. Like I went through a, a phase of my life where I was like, exercise, exercise, exercise. And I would push through all of that and just not listen to my body at all. And I think that so many of us are like that. And and tuning into it, I think is actually more productive, both physically, mentally, and professionally, because we're really working within like the natural ways that our, our body is working. And our hormones dictate so much of the way that we feel, the way that we live. And I just feel like there's like more ease <laughs> working within a little bit more with your cycle as trying to, instead of trying to work against it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, what I've found is that a lot of women, once they come in tune with the different cycles of their life, they're like, oh yeah, so I don't have to start over every month. And what I mean by that is um, for a lot of my girlfriends that I've kind of had this conversation with, we all have a really similar experience where when it comes to PMS in our period, we feel like all of the really great disciplined ritualistic work that we've done to like form great habits earlier in the month kind of all come all falling down during that phase of our cycle. And it can feel really frustrating because you're kind of beating against, like you said, um, the natural flow and, and phase of your cycle. And then it feels like once that, once your period ends or once the bleed ends, um, you have to start all over again. And it just feels like this really exhausting process. And so for me, I realized that after so many years of pretty much combating against my cycle, that I needed to work with it. Um, and instead of just trying to fight through, like you said, exercising really hard, like I would do earlier in the month, like still taking on my normal workload, um, I finally started to honor this like forced period of rest that my body um, was giving me. And realize that in a lot of ways, this was my body speaking to me, giving me a gift um, to help prevent future burnout, right? Um, I had a friend who actually just last week was telling me a really interesting story how this last month or her last cycle was one of the most stressful months of work she's had. And she pushed and pushed and pushed herself, including during when she was um, bleeding and, and having her period. And this month, she got her period again, and it almost came back with like, vengeance, one of the worst um, phases of PMS and bleeding that she's had in a really long time. And we were talking about it. And she said that she honestly attributed it to just pushing her body way too hard the previous month. And now her body was like, no, we really are going to rest this month and you need to listen to me. (laughs) Um, And again, like tying this into feminine and masculine energy um, for most, for men and for uh, people that have dominant masculine energy, um, it kind of brings you away from living your lifestyle in terms of ebbs and flows. Like if we were to look at masculine and feminine energy on a sound wave chart, feminine energy is like those like waves up and downs, very free flow. Whereas masculine is like a straight line up in a very leading forward um, direction. So the cycle mimics that feminine energy of just going with the ups and downs, the highs and lows of, of life starts with your mood and eventually, you know, your external world. And, and you can honor that. It doesn't have to be an inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate to your friends. I feel like my body is the exact same way. <laughs> it's like such a strange experience to live in a body and like be a human in a, in a physical body. And you're like, it's like you have to kind of agree with each other. There's all these things we have to do to make sure that, you know, we're in agreement with one another and we feel good. But 
I can definitely relate to that. Like just even with travel and holidays, you know, my last, um, my last period before this one was just, I felt like my body was doing the same thing too. Like slow down. Like I am going to make you feel so shitty that you have no choice but to stop moving now because this isn't cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just another reminder that like we really do need to listen to our bodies. I am curious. So with like coming back to this idea of like working in startup culture, having these really busy full-time jobs, how do you kind of honor that like this period of rest while still like keeping up with this busy workload? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I definitely struggle with that a lot um, because if you are somebody who has experience in a startup or just the startup world in general, you know that it's not corporate <laughs> by any means. And that being said, you're not going to have a really clear image of what your workload looks like um, month to month or even week to week. Um, projects just jump on your plate all the time. And it's just very much like be ready, be prepared for the next thing. So when it comes to trying to um, like connect my cycle flows with my workflow, um, I found that just with the, the previous startup environment that I worked in, a lot of the projects that I would take on were actually things that I created for myself. Um, meaning that if I saw an issue with something or I saw a possible improvement that could be made, like it was a project I put on my own plate rather than something assigned to me. Um, so with that comes a lot of freedom. If I have an idea and I'm approaching the PMS phase, um, I pretty much would say, all right, we're going to do this after you're done bleeding <laughs> as you begin, you know, the, the rise towards ovulation. Um, now, of course, there were times where I would have something assigned to me um, and I just did not have control over the project that ended up on my plate during a, a phase of my cycle that wasn't ideal. And that could mean that I had to power through it or figure out other things on my plate that I could possibly push towards the time when I know I'd have more energy. It took a lot of just kind of like finessing, juggling, moving things around um, and just being like, okay, let's not overestimate what your energy is going to be like during this time. What is least priority and can be moved off of your plate for now? So that's kind of the best approach that I found personally. I'm really excited um, actually in my next job now that I'm even more serious about, about cycles um, and, and how that relates to work uh, to see how I end up figuring out <laughs> how to strike this balance. But yeah, for the most part, it's just trying to plan where you can and where you can't just seeing how you can move things around to make it a little bit more of an ideal situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great tip. I've often thought about how like I, and I think this is probably, you know, what we did, you know, year hundreds of years ago when civilization was very basic is like just kind of hibernated a little bit and that's totally like my natural tendencies during menstruation is to just like I want to drink tea, I want to nap, I want to cozy up in bed with a book. I want to be like super introverted. I'm super tired. I don't really feel like moving too much, like just light energy. And I think it is like totally possible in a lot of roles. Some are, some are more challenging and that's definitely, you know, startup, startup world can be challenging, but just bringing little bits of that in is, is just, you know, you don't have to take the whole week off work, but it's just like, how can you bring little bits of that slower pace in? And so I love what you were saying about, you know, even with, with projects like, okay, you know, this is something that I have capacity to do. And in two weeks from now, just kind of watching ahead for what your energy is going to be like around your cycle. Yeah, exactly. And I want to make it clear, like, it's not realistic to get a week off of work every month, right? Like, unfortunately, that's just not the society that we live in. Like you said, back in, I guess, the golden ages, um, <laughs> most women had this ritual of where they would kind of all cycle sync and be on the same cycle or be bleeding at the same time and kind of like go out and rest together and almost like leave the community and take a nice little period of rest and relaxation, um, which sounds beautiful and awesome, but that's not how society works in this day and age. Um, but in a lot of ways, um, the way I think about it, because I used to have a lot of guilt over feeling like I needed this like special time for me is truthfully, 
men and women, menstruating humans and non-menstruating humans, we all need a break from work. We're not all able to hold this expectation of ourselves that we're just going to be like 100, go, go, go all the time with our work. Everybody takes periods of work on some sort of semi-regular basis where they kind of take an easier, you know, week or few days of work in order to just kind of give themselves a little bit of recharge time before they um, head up their next project. So with us, um, as women, we are able to be on a really nice fixed schedule where we're almost ensured that we're never going to burn out if we respect and honor um, kind of that push that our cycles give us. Yeah, absolutely. I love like the way of thinking that because I think at least for me, for so much of my life, I thought of my period as like such a burden, like, oh, it's so annoying that it's coming at this time. I'm going to feel tired, blah, blah, blah. I mean, when I was on birth control, sometimes I just forced to get my period, which I mean, we could talk for hours about how horrible that was in the long run um, and something that I absolutely do not recommend doing. But I think that as I've gotten, you know, a little bit older and a little more educated around this, it's, you know, it is a little bit of a gift to, to slow down. And I love being able to look ahead to the month and, you know, schedule a quiet weekend when, when I'm menstruating and it's like, okay, it's like a really good excuse to just spend a weekend, you know, by myself, recuperating, resting, all that stuff. So you're absolutely right. If we tune in and we start paying attention, then we are given this like gift of a more restful period if we listen. And that definitely prevents burnout for sure. Cause it's so easy to burn out with a full-time job in today's day and age where we're so busy. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes me so happy to hear (laughs) that you schedule like a quiet weekend when you know that you're menstruating. This is one of those things that I feel like if all women knew and had the education around their menstrual cycle and didn't just think their period was like five days of bleeding, that they would be like, it just, this is such powerful information. Like it, it can change people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. On that note, I know you've mentioned one resource you really love. Do you have any other resources that have been really impactful for you that have helped you kind of become more educated on this? Yeah, um, I have quite a few people that I follow. I guess the top people that I would recommend if you are very feminine women, either looking to step more into your feminine energy, or you just want to learn more about menstrual cycles, your menstrual cycle, Um, and what those different phases look like. Like I said, I recommend um, Nicole Jardim, The Period Girl. I recommend a blog and account called Rising Woman. They're on Instagram, and they also have a really awesome website filled with uh, really interesting articles. Um, I recommend um, the book that Amanda said, Women Code. That's been like a huge book that's kind of pioneered the way that women view their menstrual cycles. Um, There is another book um, that I just finished called The Book of She. And it starts off a little woo-woo, I'm not going to lie. But once you get past that introduction and kind of approach it very open-mindedly, it gives a lot of really great insight and practices. It almost feels like old wisdoms that have been hidden from us um, in womankind on just like how to take care of yourself, how to step into your feminine energy and feel good about that in ways that you can integrate into modern society. And she has a really great section on your menstrual cycle and how to um, just honor those different phases that that you experience every month. Amazing. Thank you for those. I'll make sure those link, there's links to all of that stuff in the show notes. And if people want to learn more about you or follow you online, where can they go to find you? Yeah. So I write on Medium. Um, it's uh, an account under my full name, Juliana Carbonari. Um, and I also have a personal website that I'm in the process of redesigning, but my personal website will be up in about two months. So uh, it's January, let's say March. Um, and there I also have already a, a big existing pool of blog posts I've written about startup life and just personal thoughts. And I'm really planning on expanding some of those categories into things that are more under, under these topics as well. Amazing. And is that just your first and last name? Yes. Amazing. I'll put a link for that as well. Juliana, thank you so much for your time today. This conversation has been so awesome. And as always, I feel like I could just spend my entire day chatting with you. (laughs) And so just thank you for taking the time to do this with me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I honestly feel the same way. I'm so happy that I, I got to come on the show and talk about things that I honestly love and gab people's ear off all day anyways. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. All right. I hope that everyone enjoyed that episode of the podcast with Juliana. Make sure that you go and check out everything that she's up to with all the different work that she's doing. You can find this episode over on the show notes at wanderbarn.com forward slash Juliana. And I'd love for you to join me over on Facebook and Instagram at Wanderbarn. So although Matcha Mornings is its own podcast, it is going to be living under the Wanderbarn Podcast Network, and that's where you'll be able to find everything up to date. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere where you get your show, and then you'll get all new episodes delivered automatically to your phone when they come out on Tuesdays. Juliana mentioned a number of different resources and books that she really loves in this episode of the show. And so I've hooked you guys up with a free 30-day trial of Audible. So you can listen to one of the books recommended in this episode completely for free, maybe even download a couple from this episode and maybe one from another episode or something like that. So if you are interested in trying out Audible 30 days for free, head on over to bit.ly forward slash matcha mornings Audible and sign up for your free trial today. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful for your time and I hope to see you soon. Okay, bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Matcha Mornings. To find links mentioned in this episode, show notes, photos, and more, head on over to wanderbarn.com forward slash podcast slash matcha dash mornings. To be the first to know about brand new episodes of Matcha Mornings, subscribe on your podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, please leave a review or send me an email at wanderbarn at gmail.com with the subject line Matcha Mornings. To follow along with me, Amanda Kingsmith, you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Kingsmith to learn more about other fun projects I'm working on. To find more great podcasts like this one on topics such as travel, the business of yoga, cryptocurrency, and more, head on over to wanderbarn.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.